Hey everyone, I'm Jordan Steingraber. Welcome to The New Normal, a series of episodes from your friends at Faith Chapel on adjusting as we live surrounded by COVID-19. Many of us have found ourselves in new work rhythms, new family rhythms, and we're all figuring out how we can still maintain friendships. We wanted to have some conversations centered around what we're learning. We'll be talking to medical professionals, creatives, parents, health gurus, pastors, and productivity experts. In the coming weeks, we're going to be exploring some topics that will hopefully be helpful to you and give you practical insight into this new season of life we're in. We don't have all the answers, and even the people we're talking to don't have all the answers, but we hope to learn from each other and grow together. This week, we're spending time with a few different people. We're going to break this up into two episodes for length. In part one, we're going to hear from Dustin Lehman, a marriage counselor here in Billings. We talk through what a healthy marriage looks like and explore how to get there. Then in part two, we'll spend some time with three couples who are in different stages in their marriage to get a glimpse into how they are approaching their relationship in this time. Mark and Denise, who are empty nesters, Greg and Aaron, who have four kids still in school, and Nate and Olivia, who have been married for one month at the time of the interview. I hope this helps and serves you no matter where you are right now. This one is packed with good stuff, so you may want to take notes as you go. Let's begin with Dustin. Well, Dustin, man, again, thanks so much. I just for for the listeners, would you would you help us understand a little bit who you are um, and what you do um, on a day in day out basis? Yeah, so so I'm a I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor and a licensed marriage and family therapist, right? Which all that means is I do counseling in Montana, and so I get to I get to enter into what I call sacred space for people, man. I get to I get to hear things that they don't advertise to other people, uh, and I get to to kind of walk through them with that, man. It's it's it is a oh, I get goosebumps even thinking about it. Just being able to enter that space with people is like the best, the best gift I could possibly. I mean, this is, you know, it's validating for me too, knowing what, what I do and I, and I love it. So, and it never gets old. I mean, it's always different, right? I mean, here's somebody's story and the next person is completely different, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, that's awesome. It's like the best Netflix series ever, man. Like, <laughs> and <get> it now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get to, I get to kind of help people organize and understand themselves better in, uh, and how they pursue each other and how they see themselves in the relationship and the things that kind of get in the way, you know, and I get to help yeah. unpack that stuff. With them, so that's awesome. That's very cool. Um, and so we're, we're talking about your marriage and uh, relationships. And obviously we're in a, we're in a unique season around the world um, with what this, this uh, pandemic has, has caused. And so there's going to be marriages all over the place, all over the spectrum from, you know, at the, end of their ropes and feeling like they're in crisis and that the relationship is falling apart at the seams. And you're going to have marriages that look at this, you know, isolation and more face to face time. And they look at it as a gift and go, Oh my gosh, I get to see you more and more every day. Um, so what I would, what I would ask you, maybe the first question would be, um, you, you get to work with relationships and couples day in and day out. And so you probably have a target. My guess is there's a target for you're trying to get marriages to a place of health. And so Mm -hmm. could you maybe give us a picture of what criteria, what does a healthy marriage look like? What are we, what are we targeting for all marriages, no matter where we are on the spectrum? Mm -hmm. Even as I look at my own marriage, you know, what are my targets? What are, what are some things that we should be aiming for um, uh, as we, as we approach this conversation? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, 
so I use uh, a therapy that's called restoration therapy. And I always say my wife loves and hates it. Uh, but in restoration therapy, you know, we believe in the, there's two pillars of relationship. Um, and so I think that a healthy marriage, um, the recipe of a healthy marriage is equal parts, love and trust. And those are the pillars, right? Um, and I think we really find out pretty much everything we need to know about ourselves through our experiences, our experiences with love. Um, I mean, trust obviously is, is another major piece to that too. And so, um, it really focuses on, I think the, the idea of a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage is, is really focused on identity and safety. So, um, you know, I think, I think a secure marriage, Jordan is, is one that has, um, spouses that are, you know, approachable, that are responsive, you know, engaged. In fact, the guy who created restoration therapy, Terry, he's a, a dear friend and a mentor of mine, but he, he says that, you know, say people are people who show up the same, you know, uh, they're balanced without like chaotic emotional swings. Um, they, you know, they're reliably the same, they're honest with you. Uh, they're in the balance with you and they're not always, you're not always carrying them. Like you're not, they're not always carrying you. Um, and it becomes kind of that privilege for, you know, give and take the balance of giving, taking relationship. And actually, you know, one of my absolute favorite, uh, passages, Nate did a, a you know, some, uh, a sermon or two on this, you know, a year or two ago, but is in Joel too, you know, the, I think it's like the best representation of what give and take looks like, especially in moments of deep, deep pain. So um, I, th- I also think, you know, another big thing I like to share with people often is, you know, if, if, if we looked at marriage, like I think a healthy marriage has like this focus, right. Uh, that in itself is like another kid, right? Like if we looked at marriage that way, where, you, you know, like you and I have kids and I know, I know Jordan, you do anything for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. if they were in danger, right. You would do anything for them. So, you know, if I mean, can, could you imagine like what marriage would look like if they had that same kind of commitment or respect mm-hmm. or care that they that they do for their kids? I mean, I think that definitely mm-hmm. changes things, honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so are you even saying like almost viewing the relationship as a as another entity of itself? Yeah. Well, I mean, our kids are genetically half of each of us, right? I mean, right, right. half of each of us, and so is a marriage. Right. Half yeah. of each of us. Yeah. So if we yeah. see that as like a kid, right, like it changes yeah. that focus. And I yeah. often will say that in my work with, with couples is like, if you could change your perspective of like, what do I get out of this into this stuff? Like, yeah. what am I, what am I serving? Like something mm-hmm. completely separate from myself. Yeah. Yeah. But it includes that. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that perspective shift too, of what am I getting out of this to what am I putting in? Because that's also countercultural, you know, and totally. that's a lot of, you know, for those of us who, who are followers of Jesus, yeah. that's a, that's something we're invited to all the time is, yeah. is to live counterculturally in, in more of a sacrificial and a servant hearted way, instead of looking to get something, yeah. get something out of it. Um, so how do you, how do you build that in a time like this? How do you yeah. begin to uh, invest in your relationship in a way that begins to build trust and um, inspires love? And, yeah. you know, we, we would say love is a choice, love is a verb, love is an action, those type of elements. But emotions are a part of that, and emotions might be higher right now, higher stress, higher nerves. Finances are potentially on the line right now, jobs. So sure. how, how would you advise – and obviously it's hard without hearing individual stories, but how would you yeah. practically give some advice on how can, how can we build that right now? Yeah, so I mean there's so many thoughts that come to mind with that, man. Like even the idea of emotions, like I think about like – specifically with painful, with painful emotions, right? The things that you get in the way of building, you know, the first thought that when you were saying that, the first thought that came to my mind was like, you know, we have physical pain when there's a physical violation, right? 
And the same sure. thing is true is we have emotional pain when there's an emotional vi- violation or a, a, a violation of our identity. I mean, that's where, that's where we get emotional pain. So, so the idea is like, how do I build in that is really, I have to, you know, rest, restore the violations of my identity through the understanding of love and trust. Right. And so, um, but in the midst of that, I think one of the, one of the things that needs to be focused on, is like, how am I, how am I organizing or using my time? Mm. You know, I could, I could tell you that a, a big surge of complaints that I'm hearing is like the digital time. I mean, you can imagine like a lot of people are getting their information, you know, through their phones, through tap to TV. And so yeah. there's this yeah. ups, this kind of swell of digital space or, yeah. uh, you know, and so I think that being really organized with, you know, your time management is really critical. Yeah. And the idea of spending, right? Spending time is just that. Sure. You're, you're giving or spending specific time or attention to someone or something. So, yeah. Um, you know, if, if someone's in a, you know, this is a common issue. Even my wife and I have this, have this issue sometimes, but um, if someone's in a conversation, right. Uh, and it's really easy to, um, you know, it's to get distracted, right? So if they start texting someone or they're, you know, staring at their phone or TV or whatever, um, the message that can be sent in the midst of that, right, is that you're not worth spending time with. Right. And I, and I think that really goes against, too, the sense of safety or security, right. you know, at the moment. Um, you know, also, I think in terms of conflict, right, like if you're having a discussion around conflict, one of the things I say is, like, don't try to solve a problem you haven't been asked to solve. So like, like, don't jump to solution, right? But focus on the what we call as the speaker listener approach. So, you know, one person shares, the other, you know, just simply receives. Um, the, but the other thing, you know, listeners though can, you know, they can what they can do, uh, and not only just receiving is they could, you know, respond with empathy. Empathy is really powerful, and it's not just easy. You're not just like, you don't just have that. You, I mean, it takes effort, right, um, and practice. And so the way to do that is what I I, I call it the bookends. So. Um, which is pretty simple. I mean, ser- you know, all you have to say really is, if I were in your shoes, I would feel what you felt. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I tell people you can build it out a bit, like if you include the the complaint or the issue that was disclosed. Uh, and so, in between those bookends, so for example, like yeah. um, if you were upset, Jordan, that you know that I'd done the dishes, right? Um, which I am. <laughs> uh, so I, I might say something like, you know, if I were you, uh, you know, and had asked you to do the dishes and they didn't get done, you know, I'd feel what you felt. Um, and I, really what that does is it creates an opportunity for connection and, you know, really makes yeah. space for the other person to have their feelings, right? You're not yeah. taking them away. You're not telling them they're wrong. Um, and right. especially, you know, with being isolated, um, I think, you know, really like living in a pressure cooker, right? Is that creating space for someone else to have pain is really going to pay yeah. off. Um, mm. And really, I think when we chase pain, we create an opportunity for healing. You know, I always say, I always say healing only ever follows wounding. Mm. Right? I mean, that healing only ever follows wounding. And, and so if, if I don't address or it makes, you know, understand my, the wounds essentially that are happening, especially in close, close quarters, healing isn't going to happen. So, sure. Yeah. So would you, would you even say as you were talking about, um, you know, trying to fix or trying to have solutions. Yeah. Do you find I'm going to jump to a conclusion here, but do you find that that's more uh, gender specific that they're, that maybe I would maybe assume that men are more quick to um, f- try and find a solution. So, you know, if my wife is upset, I'm going to try and fix that and go, yeah. Oh, you, you're mad at me. How can I fix you being mad at me? I just want to end that. So how do we, how do we fix this? You know, how do we yeah. find a solution? And yeah. which can also diminish, uh, 
and I'm learning, but that can diminish her frustration because she, she doesn't want just the problem to go away or that, or, okay, I don't care if you do the dishes now. I want to talk about why it didn't happen before or, or why I didn't feel like you listened to me or were paying attention or you weren't, you weren't, I wasn't important enough for you to remember to do that. Other things crowded me out, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So do you find that that's more of a male thing? Um, or is it, is it both, both, both parties need to work on empathy and, and and giving time. Sure. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think there can tend to be, uh, you know, more of a, like a, that kind of gender specific, you know, where the, the male maybe, uh, you know, tends to have that solution focused kind of mindset. Um, you know, my, my wife and I are completely the opposite uh, in that is that, you know, okay. show, so she just wants the, she just wants it more or less to go away. And I'm like, let's yeah. talk about this. Right. Sure. So yeah. there's times where I know she's frustrated. She married a therapist uh, for that very reason. <laughs> but, but the idea is like when we include empathy, like I can be empathetic. For the fact that she doesn't want to have this long conversation or to sure. talk about feelings or whatever. And she, at the same time, yeah. she had empathy for me in terms of process. Right. And so, yeah. you know, when you, when you ask about the gender thing, I mean, I think, part of the, my lens too, is that our, our stereotypes are kind of different in our relationship. Right. So it's hard for me right. to like see it only in that way. But yeah, I think empathy, no matter what, man, I think kind of emphasizing empathy, uh, empathy in the midst of conflict has to be the case. And again, you know, especially within this, this kind of, you know, being cl- in close quarters. And so if you want to yeah. build uh, connection, if you want to build uh, that sense of closeness, I mean, I think really you have to make spaces and, uh, and really be aware of what each, each other uh, kind of are looking for. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Love that. Build, em- build empathy. Yeah. What, what, what are, you know, for somebody who maybe, you know, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Could you maybe really quickly talk about the difference? You know, uh, the way I, I, I'm just going to real quickly, cool. you know, communicate what I understand and you can correct it if I'm wrong, but you know, sympathy would maybe look on the outside, look from the outside looking in would maybe be like, Oh, that sucks for you. I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. Empathy might be more, I'm in this with you. Um, are, are, how would you respond to that interpretation of it? And then how would you maybe quickly, how would you help people build empathy? Cause maybe, maybe some of us are not good at it. Sure. Oh, that's a great question, man. Uh, so I, I think what the, the, the way that you just depicted the two is, is fair. I mean, I think that's perfect. You know, sympathy is really disconnecting. I mean, it really, what it is, is this kind of like, uh, you know, too bad, you know, that, that really sucks for you. Uh, yeah. But there's no connection in the midst of sympathy. It's it's kind of more in the head rather than actually the heart. Empathy lives. It's essentially being able to access something uh, inside of yourself, right? Where you're able to connect with, even if it's not been your direct experience, you're able to connect with what they're going through, which yeah. is why which is why I get to that bookends thing. Like if I if I have if I have my um, mindset on the idea of like I'm going to enter into their experience. So if I was in your shoes. I'm going to think myself through that position of being in your shoes. And I had experienced this very same thing. I would feel what you felt. Mm. Like I know for, for sure, man, when you have somebody try out on the worship team, right. And it's their first time they haven't maybe had much of experience. You know what that feels like. I know you can get to that place where you're like, I get that. And you do whatever you need to do to enter that space with them, to make them feel safe and connected and all that. I mean, I'm sure of it. Or the yeah. same thing with our kids, right? I mean, you think about when they're feeling whatever they're feeling. We get down with right. them, we connect with them, we talk, we hold yeah. them, right? And so yeah. sympathy is sympathy in and of itself is disconnecting. Empathy is the is kind of the I don't know that that kind of connection point. 
for us. Yeah. In the midst of that yeah. stuff. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So in, in that, in that vein of, of empathy, uh-huh. um, I think one of the things that, that can be difficult for people is even to express when we're wounded Right. So like, or if there is an offense, you know, it's sometimes hard. And especially now, like, uh, I'll just share a little bit about, you know, my personal, our, our situation would be, you know, my work has been more intense over the last several weeks, but her role has also been more intense because that means she's got more time with the boys. You know, she's got a one-year-old, she's got a a four and a half year old who used to go to preschool and doesn't anymore. We've had terrible weather, you know? And so, except for the last, you know, several days, but, um, and so we are both coming home or coming home. I'm ending work, you know, like whatever. We're both drained. Mm -hmm. The day's not over and there it's easier to be offended. It's easier to get hurt. It's easier to do that. How do, how would you advise us to even communicate our needs? Because there's a guilt that comes with that to go, I know you just probably had, especially if I know, you know, oh, Harvey was a pain or Cohen's been crying all day because he's teething. And then she does something that might set me off. And I'm like, well, there's a real need here. But I I now just feel like the biggest jerk to add my emotional pain on your stack of <laughs> what yeah. you've just experienced today. So how do we do that well in, in these relationships? How do we communicate our needs, especially because there's probably more? needs more offenses and more stress in the midst of that sure i mean this is this is a great question i absolutely love this question and uh there's there's several parts to this i would say you know i i oftentimes well you know early on i'll say okay how what is the what's the um basic premise of healthy relating like the example i use if i stepped on your foot and it hurt what would you say i'd say ouch ouch right and then you yeah. expect that i would say Sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to. Yeah. You would expect or that. I didn't know you were that. there. Exactly. You'd expect yeah. that I'd be yeah. sorrowful. Right. Uh, and right. I'd indicate that by saying, I'm sorry. And then would you expect going forward? That you would try not to step on my foot again. Absolutely. Right. I mean, this is why I call it the basic premise, yeah. right? I can yeah. Out yeah. sorrow change, but also you would expect that I wouldn't step on your foot, but you would also be careful where you step. Mm-hmm. This is the us change that has required, you know, in our kids, Jordan, our kids are born into the world with this wiring. Mm. Sure. You do look, you look at Harvey or Cohen and you go, no, what's their, what's their instant shift? It's oftentimes this position of sorrow. It doesn't mean they change permanently, but that's right. the idea, right? Is that right. I, in, in disclosing pain, right? Like you were saying, like when I have an offense, how do I communicate that? First of all, I have to be really good about saying ow and taking responsibility mm. for what I'm going to do. Yeah. That is the, you know, I, I'll, I, you know, I will always call or, you know, also call it the plank and spec. You know, right, plank right. drive before you deal with the spec. Uh, and so, what well, I love that idea. There's just so many pieces to it, but I love that idea because really, if I'm committed to dealing with my hurt and you're committed to dealing with yours, it makes it a lot safer in terms of how we navigate that for one another. Now, the other mm-hmm. thing you talk about needs, Jordan. The I think the what's interesting about that is that oftentimes I think people qualify things as needs that aren't needs. Mm, okay. You know, so. I think the, the difference is understanding, you know, I think it's really important to understand the difference between needs and wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, have you ever said, I need a haircut? It's been a while. <laughs> or I need to shave. How about that, man? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. I need to shave. Yes. Is, is, yeah. it a, is it really a need though? No. No. Right. Like, well, why do we say it that way? I, you know, I say, right. I, I say that 
you know, we qualify things as needs because need is the greatest motivator. And so, right. but the problem with it is that need can become, well, actually, I think the the thing that's important is really you got to define what need is, right? So uh, I, I define it as need says something will cease to exist, you know, without its fulfillment. And so like, mm. like you cease to exist if you don't eat or drink, and therefore eating and drinking are necessities, right? Yeah. But what, what ceases to exist if you don't shave, you know, nothing, right? Right. But if I can qualify something as a need, it'll emphasize my motivation to complete it. But the other problem that can happen, uh, you know, with qualifying something as need is it can become it can become uh, more of a attempt to control something. Right. So, so maybe an example would be like if I say I need you to stop chewing like that. You want change. So you you say it's a need. But right. uh, that may not be that may not be fair. So. But if you truly have a need, right, one of the big things I, and you want to communicate that, one of the big things I say is disclose, don't direct. Mm. So say things okay, like, yeah. I, I need to have a conversation, right? Um, and, and instead of, I need you to stop doing what you're doing so we can talk. Because yeah. one's, to tell, one's directing the other person. The first one is, you know, giving an opportunity or yeah. disclosing. Um, so yeah. to, what you want to do with communicating needs is really to create an opportunity for the listener to engage your yeah. needs and not an obligation then to fulfill them. Yeah. That that's good. good. That's, I think so. I think that's super good. I like that, that difference between disclosure and directing. That's really good. That the, the <clears throat> I read a book a couple of years ago on, on parenting and, and one of the things that they, that kept coming up is a concept that, <clears throat> and this is all over the place. So it's not like this person at a corner, but um my paraphrase is you can only control you. I can only control me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I enter into any situation and I'm trying to control someone else, most likely my motives are not in the right place. And I'm going to be frustrated because I can't, I can't make you do anything, but I get to choose how to respond to something. So I love, I love that type of uh, mindset shift to go from, Oh wait, who's, who am I controlling or who am I trying to control here? And what am I trying to get out of it? That's, that's super awesome. Um, some a little bit of a shift in, in gears here would be how would you advise or even uh, suggest that that we serve one another in this time? You know, one of the things at the beginning of the conversation you were talking about was was you know trying not to get something out of a relationship but to put something in. Um, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but but what are some good ways to um, as as we practice these elements to maybe intentionally um, set up some ways to serve each other do you have any any language or any any suggestions or, or framework for for beginning that process if we're not good at it yet you know i kind of think of uh you know like one of the things in terms of like caring you know caring for other people and serving other people i think really building into people you know um a sense of value and worth is is kind of a powerful thing right and so yeah like one of the things i like to suggest that people do specifically for their spouses, right, is to compliment them in front of other people, right? Mm. And your kids and to say, hey, didn't mom do such a good job? Like mom is mom is so helpful or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, that you think would be useful in terms of like, in attributing a sense of value or worth to something that someone is doing. I think that's a, a really meaningful thing. Um, yeah, I think the other big thing too, Jordan, is to like – Ask spe asking specific questions, right? I think is always a useful thing. I mean, questions are so powerful, right? Because what they do is they they give you more information. Um, you there's more for you to connect with, and the other person feels really known, right? Uh, yeah. So like you know, 
the idea of of like asking a specific question about you know something particular that you know about somebody. I think that you know the idea of loyalty and intimacy comes into mind for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think it's really important for people to understand that you know, especially in, in again, I keep coming back to this close quarters thing, right? Uh, is that loyalty is is uh, a critical element in terms of if you want to have success and connection, right? So, yeah. Um, so if you're in in the midst of a situation, like here, here's the thing about loyalty, right? As I say, uh, loyalty is this kind of unyielding pursuit of something outside of myself, right? Um, and so if I'm if I'm pursuing self, right, then I'm not loyal, right? I'm being selfish. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. that's not a big stretch, but the the idea is then intimacy is the byproduct of loyalty, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. In the way we used to define intimacy in grad school is we'd say intimacy is defined by into me see, right? Like the sense of deep understanding. Um, mm-hmm. so in these moments of building, like accessing intimacy, I think what that looks like is you using these, like I was saying earlier on, right? Like for me, I get to enter into sacred space with people. It's very yeah. intimate because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of getting an understanding of all of this unique knowledge that these people share with each other or just in their life, what they have that they don't necessarily give to everybody else, you know? And so, right. so that's important, I think, in terms of building towards or kind of promoting, caring for others in a relationship is to really understand what are you pursuing in terms of the sense yeah. of loyalty and what's the unique, special uh, knowledge that comes out of that, which is what I'm saying is intimacy. So, um yeah that's great that's good i like i like that that loyalty bit of you know what am i pursuing outside of myself what am i going to you know give everything to um what what a that's a really great picture to me like even enlightening as i'm sitting here to go oh yeah i would i would say with my words to you yeah i'm loyal to my wife of course i'm loyal to my wife but then in my actions, am I actually communicating? No, I'm just loyal to me. I'm loyal to my comforts. I'm loyal to, uh, you know, whatever I want in that moment. So am I communicating yeah. something totally different? That's, that's a, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel like at the end of this, I'm gonna have to pay you for, for this conversation. Cause I'm just getting some personal counseling. Here. Three or four <laughs> sessions all crammed into one, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. No, that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's really cool. Can I, can I press um, on one other thing there, Jordan, really quick? Please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, thought. I, 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 this was like, I don't know, this is less than, it's probably about less than a week in, in the making, but I had this thought, it was last week, man. And, um, and I was sitting there, I was like, when does Jesus like get upset? Like, when does he get negative or upset or whatever? And the idea, you know, I, as I was kind of, I'm still kind of unpacking this a bit too, but the idea that hit me was like, you know, there's some of the obvious things like, you know, when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sorrowful to the point of death or, uh, you know, when he's flipping tables or he's, you know, another one that recently was I was reminded of was the fig tree. Right. When he curses the fig tree. Right. Right. Seems like to me, man, that that Jesus gets negative with life or death issues. Right. And so so when I'm in a moment of contention with a friend or with my spouse or my kids, like how often is it truly a, a life or death issue? I'm rarely. Right. Right. And so this has been particularly challenging for me in a really useful way. Is that like when I'm angry with my kids, when my daughter's like, I'm not going to listen to you, I'm going to do what I want. Uh, and I get angry and I think I've been thinking lately, like, is this a life or death issue? Not really. Right. And so what it does is it allows for me to stay to connect before I correct with her, which is, I think, a big idea. Uh, but but man, I think that's super important, especially, again, with how I navigate, you know, 
even any offense or just how I navigate like me trying to create a, a sense of intimacy with somebody. You know, if I'm yeah. upset, is it a life or death issue? Life or death issue, and it's probably not. Yeah, I like I like a couple a couple of things jump out to me that connect before correct. Yeah, that's right there. What a great parenting. Yeah, so much great parenting advice right there to go. Hey, before I correct you, let me connect with you. And yeah. what a perspective shift too on does this really matter? Yeah. And we're already in a perspective shift with this entire crisis to look at. Yeah. What's really important? Yeah. What What do I really need? I mean, that's that's happening with some people in their finances and their budget and going, okay, what can I actually afford if hours have been cut? What can I actually, what do I actually need? It's probably not 700 rolls of toilet paper. I think we're going to be okay there. But, <laughs> um, but, but we're, we're already evaluating that. And so to continue on, um, on that journey of discovery to go, okay, why am I feeling this anger? Is this a true, like all that just ties together in that, is this life or death? Okay, no. Is it a want or a need? Oh, it's probably not a need. It's a want. And then maybe that even just diffuses our own anger before we turn it into something. Yeah. Blowing out of proportion. That's huge. I I love that. Um, Let's say that there's a couple in crisis right now and they find themselves um, in a place that they just don't know what to do. They, they're, they're at the end of their rope. Obviously there's, there's professional counseling available to them, but even in this time without knowing their story, I know that's difficult because every couple is different. Every family is different. Every person is different. There's so many facets to that, but what would you say to a, to a couple that finds themselves not knowing if they can go on in the relationship and, and feeling, feeling like they're done? Yeah. You know, look, Jordan, I, I say it all the time is you really you you feel what you focus on. Right. I mean, if you only think about all of the problems that you have uh, with someone or, you know, all of somebody's kind of weaknesses or insufficiencies, if all you think about maybe is how trapped you are, uh, even how difficult this time is, um, you know, or any of the other inconveniences or problems that someone's facing, if that's all you think about, it only gets worse. You know, mm. uh, you know, like even, you know, like you work in when you work out, right. If something hurts and you just pay attention to that pain, what happens? It just gets worse. Right. I mean, it just gets right. worse. And so the idea is like you make an adjustment, but you don't let that be the kind of deciding factor for what you're doing. You know, pain is a gift. I'll say that right off the top. And so if what you're doing is in, in a relationship is trying to get away from pain. And so that's where you're like, uh, I feel like I'm out of here. I feel like I'm done. If all you're doing is try to get away from pain, guess what? It, it won't, it won't, you're never, you're never going to find that sense of peace or freedom because yeah. what happens is I, if I just look to kind of numb out my pain by leaving the situation, what I'm going to do is likely perpetuate the same dynamic in another relationship or something someone else, or when I come back to the same scenario, it's going to still be present. So that, that, that idea is like you feel what you focus on, I think is really impo- important. So what are some of yeah. the things that I need to be considering more often? You know, that's, I think, yeah. I think that's even with the, I mean, you know, the, the Philippians four thing, right? Whatever, right. Ooh, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Yeah. Well, what's the point of that? Like my favorite, my favorite bit is it says, and the God of peace will be with you. The idea of yeah. peace, right? Yeah. If I choose yeah. to focus on those things, peace is the outcome. Yeah. And that's really, that's really, I think, powerful. I mean, yeah. powerful in my own life. It's powerful in the, in the lives of the clients that I work with. Um, and so um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's one of the main things. The other, the other something, something I would also say uh, is even based on some of the research, Jordan. So like they, there's, there's um, John Gottman, he's been doing marriage research for like 40 yeah. years now. I mean, this guy, yeah. this guy knows what he's doing, but he says, he says that um, most marital conflict um, uh, are, there's probably 69% of, of, yeah, like marriage uh, conflicts in marriage are, are perpetual, which is, means they revolve around the same issues. I mean, I can't tell you how many times couples come in and they're, oh, we just fight about the same things. And it makes right. sense because what's happening is we're we're focusing on staying the same. We're saying, no, my issues are more important than yours. My individuality is more important than yours. And therefore, we don't find our sense of usness in the midst of it, right? Mm. Usness is the idea. Like I said earlier with this idea of like, hey, if I looked at my marriage like another kid, half of each of us, it changes the way I see it. So these perpetual issues kind of the, the focus or perspective changes if I look at it as like, okay, what am I going to do to contribute rather than, again, what am I going to do to change them to focus on what I need? Because that's the yeah. issue. And so uh, another thing I would ask someone in crisis, Jordan, is like, what are you holding on to? Like, what are you unwilling to give up? And likely the answers to those questions are probably the reason for the crisis. So that, that would come, that would bring it back to like understanding truly understanding the difference between what it is you want and what it is you need. And so when couples are trying to separate, you know, that's the thing I, I, I focus on with them is like helping them understand what is the, what are the needs of the relationship and are they something that are manageable and uh, able to be fulfilled? So, yeah, that's good. That's good. So Dustin, this has been a great conversation. It's been fantastic. Seriously. Like, uh, super, super helpful to me personally, like being married, like I'm going to take away so many things that I get to know. Um, now my wife's just going to be annoyed. She's going to be like, yeah, you talked to Dustin and I didn't, <laughs> now you're all of a sudden this expert. <laughs> stop throwing that stuff at me. No, but uh, so helpful. And, and I would just ask maybe, is there any other advice, you know, as we, as we wrap up the conversation, is there anything else you would encourage um, couples in just kind of what you're seeing, what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you, how would you encourage us all? Yeah. Uh, some of the, some of my, what I, what I might suggest would be some of the things that we've already talked about, but there may be, you know, like five or six things I might um, suggest people consider, uh, you know, a big thing is keeping routines, right? Keeping healthy routines, maybe finding new ones too, to address uh, the changes that are happening, you know? Um, you know, like Dr. French, he, he mentioned, I think in the last podcast that he, uh, he's an introvert and so am I, I say I'm a thousand percent introvert. So, so this, the only thing this has really changed for me is like doing the digital thing. Uh, but for my wife, she's, uh, again, like I said, she's the opposite, man. She is nothing but an extrovert. And so she needs engagement. She needs that kind of connection. So the routines that we have around the house have to include a bit of that socialization. Like how do we, how do we draw in her, her, you know, her family or how do we draw in her friends or whatever, you know, in a way of being safe. Um, the second thing, the second thing I might suggest to you is to, is to talk about like hopeful things. Mm. Like what is it you hope for? Like what future yeah. are you looking forward to? Yeah. You know, I love it in Romans five. Um, the idea of suffering that produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, you know, and and the NAS, and I think one of the one of the versions say I think it's NAS, NASB says and hope does not disappoint. Mm. Uh, the idea is like keeping something in front of you that you're pursuing, um, that you're looking forward to is something that's really yeah. useful. Another one that I would suggest, um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, is to choose healthy things to focus on. If you want to experience peace in life, 
you better be thinking about things that are kind of geared towards that, right? Yeah. I mean, hoping hoping for peace, but not pursuing it, uh, you're not going to find it, right? So, um, right. Not a big stretch there. And, uh, you know, another one, uh, whatever four I think would be, uh, is like to look out for extreme thinking, you know, so I, I say, you know, watch out for the always, the always any never evers. Right. Um, yeah. th- these are like things that are like means for control. Right. Uh, you know, which doesn't bode well for creating connection. Right. Um, yeah. you know, another one would be, uh, uh, to be intentional and organized with your time. So, uh, a, a phrase I say is everyone needs unique connection in family. Like we have to share unique connection with each of our, like Cohen needs unique connection with you. Harvey yeah. needs connect, unique connection with you. Something that you yeah. don't share with the other. Right. And so to maintain that, I think is really important. Um, especially with your spouse. Especially yeah. With her. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, another one I, I suggested to you is like to make space to be spontaneous. Yeah. Spontaneous things are difficult because you don't know how they're going to turn out, but man, it's really important uh, to yeah. not just have it be a stagnant kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. But also that it's important to leave you know, room for timeouts when they're necessary, like just a, a way of kind of disengaging from uh, uh, something that may be triggering too. And then the, the, probably the final thing I would say is, Make time for fun. You know, laughing is what I say. Laughing together is what I say is good glue. It's good glue. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, it really, it creates, a, it creates a lasting connection, man. Uh, and so we'll got to make something happen with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, when you uh, talked about the intentionality, like that, that to me, like Alyssa and I noticed, mm-hmm. well, I mean, all of the points, like I'm, I'm thinking of specific moments in the last five or six weeks of this entire shift where everything you said has like cropped up in my life. Yeah. Um, like even like what we think about, like the first couple of weeks, I am glued to my screen. I'm mm-hmm. only taking in news that's negative. Mm-hmm. And we both got to a point where like, okay, we're done with that. So there was like a week where I didn't te- check the news at all. And I'm like, I'm fine. If I need to find out something, it'll get to me. I'm not super worried about that right now. Yeah. Uh, and so changing what I was focusing on helped, you know, my mental state, but then even the intentionality, you know, I, with Alyssa and I, like there was a moment where we both realized we've been near each other a lot, but I miss you. Mm. Like I haven't been with you. I've been near you. Mm. And so that's, man, I've experienced that firsthand of, Oh yeah. Like I've been intentional with Harvey. I've seen his needs or Cohen and then I'm just near Alyssa. And that seems like enough because it's like, yeah, we're together, but we haven't connected. We haven't created that space. And then the final thing I'll just say, just as a personal sharing for anyone who cares. um, But we, we stayed up super late the other night because we found this Instagram account that had us rolling in tears. Like there were these clips of musical fails that were just, I mean, we just kept going to the next one after the next one. And it was probably like, we both knew we were supposed to be asleep, but I was crying, laughing. She was crying, laughing. And it was like some of the best medicine yeah. for just the situation. Cause we were like, we both were like, I can't remember the last time we laughed that hard and even together. And, and we're, we're still referencing it. Like we'll still, you know, make jokes about something we saw. And that's been just super fun. And we're like, Oh man, laughter. So good. <laughs> so fun. Okay. That concludes part one of this episode. Thank you, Dustin, for taking the time to be a part of this podcast. On part two, hear from three couples who share what they're doing to be intentional in the new normal.